You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. Oh, <laughs> what are you guys doing? You gotta tell me when this is turning on. Are you sniffing markers? See what I'm doing, Andy? It's oh. inflation. I'm trying to find change right now. Just trying to fill that big old conversion van you bought. Exactly. That's that's. I almost got a gallon of gas right now for it. With all this change. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Um, if you want to beat inflation, come back to Poland. Now uh, one dollar is four seventy schlote. It's almost gone up one whole schlote in the past year. So I'm not feeling any inflation here. It's amazing. Okay. It's nice of you. You you also have bombs going off 30 miles from your house. So we No, talk that's about that. Ukraine. Talk... Belarus is next to me. There's no bombs yet in there. Okay. Okay. So anyway, what are you doing for Nichols? Hey, when I was in Poland, I didn't, there was no even none military. I didn't see anything. I don't know, That's Andrew. You're, you're did, home. You see, did you see one gun in the whole country? No, I never, I, I don't think I saw a cop either, actually. Crazy. But, no. That, uh, that. Different worlds. It's okay. That's good, right? Hey, what'd you do? Fourth of July. I went to the cabin. And? Fished. Nice. <laughs> you go to your lot? The, it was hot. Yeah. It, was a, it was a good fourth. I like it when it's warm. How about yeah. you? Yeah, we had a, we stayed in Prior Lake and uh, just spent the day on the lake. It was nice. It was, uh, Did you do the pontoon parade? You know what? I was actually going to do it this year. And then, of course, we didn't do it. But I was coming up. I was trying to think of something unique. I'm going to have to go to you, I think, next year. Because they're pretty good now. I mean, these people are good. Oh, yeah. There was a top we, we gun had a guy that, there, there must be a company that makes them because there was a couple guys uh, driving around, and they had, like, the shells of cars, like, on their pontoons. So yeah. the one guy had, like, a 57 Chevy. Looked like he was driving around the lake. You know, it was kind of cool. It's hard to compete with those guys. Yeah. It's I'll all about winning. Just, just about get winning. me involved early. Hey, what do you think about real estate market here in this lovely little 4th of July? I think we're finally back to normal history. What do you think? Yeah, three, four weeks, whatever, month, you know, something like that. It feels like it's starting to get more like a balanced market. Um, I think there's also some areas that are over, you know, saturated now c compared to what demand is. Um, where you're starting to see some days on market, you know, which is, hey guys, it's okay. It, you know, the the thing about it is, is that when you have days on market, it shows there's variety. People feel more comfortable buying a house so they can actually do it the way they're supposed to. Go out and find a house that fits their needs, that they love. It's in the right school district. They can walk to the restaurant or the school they like or whatever. And then they, they actually will go out of their way. Where there's a will, there's a way. They'll make that transaction work. They'll make, no matter what happens to the appraisal, what happens on the inspection, when people love a house, they, they figure out ways to make it work. 
which that's the part of the market I think we lost when we had all this, you know, all the skeletal on high and we're flipping all the, the, you know, the stuff so it doesn't burn. And it's like, oh my God, oh my God, panic market. And it that's no fun for anybody. Yeah. Yeah, I think to, the way I would describe this market right now is that I would say it's a lull. A lull. And I think it's trying to find its way. And I don't think it has found its way. And uh, and why I say that is this, because there is um, opportunities. We just had one in Chanhassen that we had to go into multiple offers on and I'm spending 30 some thousand more than what we needed to be able to spend. Still um, escalation clauses, all that kind of stuff that were involved in it. And then we have other listings that we're now reducing that we were priced, I thought, totally correctly at the beginning. I'm I'm very I really want to try to get it priced correctly every single time versus trying to uh, push the market. Now, some people, sellers make their own decisions and what they what they do. Uh, but for the most part, they take my recommendation. I thought we were really close. And then all of a sudden, you know, that market kind of shifted and it's almost like you're kind of waiting for it to see which way to go. Because um, like you said, there's some markets that are a little saturated and then there's some that are super hot. I mean, I've found that the upper bracket stuff is still really hot if you price it right. I think a lot of people have gotten to the point where they're just like, you know what, hey, what, whatever. I would sell if we can get it to this price and then agents kind of let them go that, that way. And then it starts getting stale and then people start wondering what the heck's going on with the with the market. So. I don't know. I think would you what would you say about that? A lull, like a lull in the market. You know, I think there's four things happening right now. I really do. I think that you have, you know, the number of houses on the market still historically low, right? We can't argue about that. So there's less houses for sale. I think um the wind kind of was taken out of our sales a little bit with interest rates. Um, you know, so one thing you can count on number two is interest rates will continue to kind of creep up. I think as inflation, we continue to try to fight inflation. Um, the good news is equity is still at record rates. So the equity in the houses of the people that own houses, it's still one of the best investments you have currently. And looks like it will continue to be on that path. And it does actually, believe it or not, look like houses are still appreciating at kind of a, a normal, you know, three, 4% uh, rate. They're, they're not getting extra 50,000 over malt 10 offers. I'm not seeing that in the North Metro. Maybe you guys still are in some of your hot lake properties, but I'm seeing properties list. We're getting our 10 showings. We're getting our offers. They're good offers, but they're asking for inspections now. The, some of the offers are coming in with contingencies again, which is okay. I mean, my gosh, that's what we're, that's what this is all about. Make this work, you know, putting people together, helping them get rid of their house to help them buy the next house. People appreciate that, that extra, um, you know, um, leniency, if you want to call it that or whatever it is. And, uh, and, and anyway, I, I don't know. I think we're, I think we're still, getting used to that new interest rate though. And that's what we're feeling still kind of the, the hangover of the interest rates going up. And, and the market, the market shifting from a 1000% sellers market to, you know, some people are getting a little nervous. They want to get their house on the market and they want to beat the rush before the market collapses, which I just don't think is happening. I really don't. Right. I think there's still people that they want what they want. Um, I think in a way, some of the buyers now are feeling like they're doing better because they're not having to go multiple offers and think they're paying over. But I don't think we're headed down. I really don't. I think we're, um, you just not, and you explain it. It is really interesting, though, to hear people talking around the old, uh, 
the cooler out on the uh, sandbar. And there, there are people straight up like, we're locked down. There's a hurricane on its way. It's a F7 or tornado, whatever. And they're, they're like, they're completely freaked out. And I, I think the one thing that can sink a ship, though, honestly, is consumer confidence. And, and if enough people, you know, when you start getting these approval ratings as low as they are, and you start getting people that don't believe in, even the people that are supposed to believe in what's happening don't believe in it. And then all of a sudden you start, you know, seeing layoffs and you start seeing, you know, which is interestingly enough, you're starting to see laughs, but only in the real estate industry where you're seeing like mortgage companies laying people off and the companies that have salaried um, agents, you know, the red fins of the world have done big layoffs and they're doing those laughs because they just don't have as many showing requests or they don't have as many files going through to refinance. And so they're, they're, you know, those are the companies that are pulling back right now. I'm still seeing people, you know, like up in Alex hiring all over the place, all these, you know, trailer manufacturers, dock manufacturers, ice house companies that are up there. Um, they all have hiring, uh, starting wages, blah, 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 you know, so bonuses, sign-ons, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, I, like I said, I think we're not, uh, it's, it's a different market, but it's not, uh, Armageddon type stuff. Right. So. Well, you know, but Chris... My bad, Andy, you snuck in there. Do you want to finish your comments before we move on to the next segment? All I was going to say is it's kind of like the weather. Boy, it's hot out today, but you know it's going to be cold tomorrow. Well, of course it is. I mean, that's we're in a seasonal area. I mean, it's like and people are treating this housing in this economy the same way like well it's been good so now it's got to get horrible it really doesn't honestly it can go up and down within a, a window you know it doesn't have to go extremes up and extremes down it can bounce around in that window and still survive and thrive um but i just you know when there's the real corrections that's because you can see there's an artificial inflation of things you know like whether it's like an extreme you know example of like all of a sudden, now you you, you want to buy a, a dock, and they used to be seven thousand. Now they're twenty five thousand to buy a dock and a lift, and it's crazy. That that's where you're going to see people eventually when they have that disposable income tighten up a little bit. Those are the first things they're going to stop buying. That's where you're going to see the next round of laughs if there are such things like that. Can you know the 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 totally consumer optional stuff is what is next. So careful what I you agree. Yeah, because what they're saying is, boy, we're making money. We're making money. It's going well, but let's buy that dock because we want it and we can do it. We can have fun. And now it's like, gosh, I wonder if I'm going to have enough money. I'm not going to buy that dock. And now all of a sudden those dock people are going to, you know, have to start getting their prices in line. Docks were well, you, you, unbelievable. Two summers ago, I remember having this conversation where there were people literally sitting there that are retired that were out there, you know, having a few cocktails on the uh, sandbar, as I say. And uh, talking about how they, they had a windfall of money the last couple of years with the stock market. And they're like, we should spend it before it goes away. And so you started seeing some of these people that are normally retired that don't spend any money buying tractors and building buildings and doing stimulating the economy. And what's, what's really kind of cool, guys, is that the, the uh, empty nester, you know, whatever you want to call that older generation, right? They're still in the economy. Everybody historically at, you know, that... 65, they retire or 55, they retire. And then they stop spending money. They rely on their, you know, um, you know, limited income that they have coming in. It's maybe a fixed income. But nowadays we're not seeing that. People are staying working. They're staying involved in the markets. They're staying involved in consumer purchasing 
and they're, they're such a big group. You know, the baby boomers are such a big group of people um, that that I think that's why you're still seeing an economy kind of cooking. Because it was 10, wasn't about 10 years ago, Chris, you were talking about that, where they were expecting just as the baby boomers retire, the economy is going to fail because there's just going to be that much less air being pumped in the balloons or the balloon will deflate, you know? I think maybe that whole Corona thing helped that too, because it's like, you don't know what your freedom is going to be gone or you're going to die. And now let's kind of enjoy it. <laughs> well, yeah, that and probably the other, thank God people don't save money, right? They can't afford to retire. So they got to keep working. Yeah, that's a good point. Hey, that's one thing that's happening too. When we talk about this market is that what agents are doing to try to uh, combat it. And once it slows down and I think, I I think what we're getting is we hear from, say, if you have listings, you hear from sellers, like, what's wrong? I mean, we've heard this market is awesome. Why is anything selling? And what are we waiting for? Why aren't we getting many showings and blah, 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 which turns into agents trying to do stuff that maybe sometimes they, they never would have done before. And but they're trying to do something and trying to get something going. And I have never gotten more emails in my life, actually, in the whole real estate industry about people doing uh, reverse searches on our clients, saying that our client looked at one of the searches and, and do you want it? And then getting phone calls on that. Um, are you getting phone calls from the big builders? That must be a new marketing initiative. Yeah, yeah and I said, I said, hey, remember when you offered us 1% commission about a year ago? Yeah. Why don't you choke on your inventory, you pigs? <laughs> That's what I tell them. I'll say, yeah. tell your boss that, would you? Yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, why don't you give a little background on that when the construction stuff was going well? What they were trying to do to our the co-op agent? Yeah, the so when times are good, they they obviously don't think they need to pay anybody. Just like I suppose anybody else that's trying to sell a house, why would I pay a real estate agent or whatever? But as people are running around and they start looking for existing homes, new construction was a very viable option because then you could you know have your client go in there, pick the colors, pick the lot, do everything, and you had to wait. Well. The national builders, knowing that they're basically are the only source, the only place selling selling the hot dogs, if you will, or the 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 pop in the middle of the desert or water, and and they said, okay, well, here's our payout. Now we're going to go down to two percent instead of two. Industry average is about two point seven. So what what a lot of people don't realize is that those agents they're not trying to make a fortune off of each sale as much as there's a lot of averages that they have to live off of because you know if they're going to sell twelve houses a year. And you go, oh my gosh, that agent just sold that house and made nine grand. And they probably sell 10 houses a month. They're killing it. They don't. Most most agents actually, what is it, Chris? The average 2%, two transactions a year, something crazy. It's really low. But anyway, so they, they have those higher percentages. And then just recently, the nationals had lowered that way below industry um, standards. And so, um, and, and they had that right to do that. And the problem is, is they proved that they could still sell those houses. Well, now they're proving that they can't. So now they're actually putting, as you say, they took worm off the hook. Now they're putting two worms on the hook and trying to get agents back in with their buyers saying, hey, come to us, please, please buy from us. We have inventory. Um, a lot, a lot of, they lost a lot of buyers. Sorry to keep rambling. They lost a lot of buyers when interest rates went up. And the way the nationals write their purchase agreements is earnest money versus construction deposit. A lot of custom builders will have construction deposits or they make you do construction loans, which means you basically are going to follow that all the way to the end of the build and you're going to perform or you're going to lose all your money. So with earnest money, when they don't qualify for that house, interest rates go up, their qualifying power goes down. They on paper technically don't qualify for that house anymore and they were let free. So there's a little inventory 
um, coming back as these houses are being completed and there wasn't buyers for them. So now there, you will see some of these national builders actually kind of have an inventory again, which would, will be very refreshing. Yeah. And we're, we're definitely seeing that. And they're really incentivizing getting rid of that inventory going into, as they're going into new developments. So I have one of my clients right now getting killed by it because they have a newer home in a newer area. And these builders are offering these payments that are $800 a month lower you know, now granted it's temporary for two years, but they do these two-year buy-downs and people, it's hard to turn that down, Chris. I mean, 800 bucks a month, you know, jumping into a new payment's pretty darn attractive. The rate the rate they're giving is better than the rates anyone was getting before. <laughs> I mean, so it's, uh, yeah, I think it's interesting. I think you'll, you'll see some of this happening kind of in the interim. And then, like I said, it'll shake out. And once the market finds its way and people know what it's doing and Andy, you're 1,000% right because every issue that we've had in the market is because of consumer confidence. And it goes up and it goes down, and you, and you can see it. And that's what, I mean, the people are going to determine what the market is. And uh, it's what they're watching and which, what they're seeing and what they're feeling. So For sure. That's why I think when it comes to, like, gas and groceries, those are just things that are thrown in your face. And you start thinking about it, you're like, oh, my gosh. I mean, how many on Facebook? How many photos have you seen of, you know, the, the gas tank and, and what it says about how much it costs? You know, I mean, gallons are here. That's the most we've ever paid. And and it's just like when when you start seeing that over and over, it starts getting to you. Kind of like, you know what? Gosh, I was just thinking it was like 20 bucks. But now it's 100 bucks. It's 100 bucks a month. And my food has gone up. I mean, have you bought cottage cheese lately? I mean, my gosh. I mean, it's 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 $2 more. And then it's like, well, let's not. We don't need to have cottage cheese. Let's let's go with this kind of food. And when that starts happening, that's what I think the the problems. Well, will I'll be honest with you. I was going to fill up the tanks at the cabin, and we were filling up the pontoon with a 150 horse, you know, motor on the back. And then we were looking at, um, you know, we have a jet ski about the same horsepower, and we were going through 250 bucks a weekend in gas. And we're not like we're not pounding these things all day long every day. We're just we're going through a tank, you know. I mean, each each five gallon jugs, you know. You're talking over 30 bucks to fill each jug. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's like a jet ski can drink three, four of those, 60 bucks in a day. And, you know, and it's like all of a sudden you start saying, well, geez, maybe I don't want to. And I'm telling you, that will change the way people buy. All these hot Denali XL, big horsepower, all that stuff starts getting unattractive really fast. And they start coming down in value. And all of a sudden the, the, the uh, energy efficient cars and boats start going up again. Now the four strokes are coming back. The, they don't want the extra horsepower. They want, you know, the energy efficiency version, yep. you know. By the way, why don't they have an electric awesome boat motor like Tesla make a boat motor and, and have it where it's, you know, what's up with that Tesla driver? They do. They do. They have rows. You just row yeah. it. It's very simple. All right, let's go into our uh, next segment, Social Media Reacts, and it is brought to you by Chris Rooney home experts. I was just one years old when my family started in real estate, where both my parents were agents. They also dabbled in investing in real estate, rentals, flips, and construction. After college, I went right into getting my license in July of 1990. As a 23-year-old agent in an industry that looks nothing like today, I had to know more for my clients to choose me. There wasn't Zillow or social media to tell them how good I was. I had to win them over with knowledge. With knowledge comes confidence, and with confidence comes results. I found 
Pricing a house for sale has changed over the years. Now it is really designed to create as much attention as possible. There are three different strategies when pricing a house. One is the old way. Aspirational pricing only really works now for the best house in the best neighborhood. We leave room for negotiation. Then, of course, there's fair market value, which is when we look at all the data and we kind of find the lows and the highs and find a value range somewhere in the middle. And then, of course, there is event level pricing, which is designed to create a bidding war. Specifically, the launch of the property is an event. We usually only choose event level pricing when a seller is in a rush or there's some inherent flaw that's going to eliminate a large portion of the marketplace at first contact online, like being on a busy street or being a major fixer something of those lines. So don't just price to leave room, have a strategy when picking a debut price. Who is that guy? I don't know, but he's good. Yeah. Gosh, I, I love those uh, what aspirational pricing and event level pricing. I, I love those words. I mean, they're, they're impactful. And I think as from a realtor standpoint, it's, it's coming up with something different and being different. And he's just saying the same thing. A pricing high is aspirational pricing. It's like, hey, we really want that. And it's not like it's a, it's a, it's a rip on on the seller. It's like, hey, you got aspirations that the price is, uh, this is what the price is. But that's what we call this. And then event level pricing is just like, boy, we're gonna we're gonna really go after it and kick it, not underprice it. So I think that uh, that was very that was very well done. Uh, what that agent said, and I think that's uh, uh, again a big well, I, thing. I think they did the a good job of categorizing it because you know you're right, Chris. I mean, the the aspirational was basically you just throw it against a wall and try to get it to stick and see if you can get it, which is what everybody wants to do. And uh, well, my neighbor got 450. Let's list that 475 and see if we can get it. And that kind of listing strategy is is horrible. Um, and most markets end up failing, even in good markets. So when you get to that, like I said, the uh, market analysis is where I kind of fall between market analysis, where we truly observe the comps. And then I try to show like, here's, you know, 450, 450, 450, but they really listed at 425. So all of them were up. They have legs, $25,000 legs on those offers. So are those legs real or are those legs just indicative of having a crazy market? And then people have to say, you know, but they got it, so we should get it. I, I kind of agree and I kind of don't because what's happening is the, the all of those listings with having them at the 450 and listing them at the 425, that was almost like event pricing, which is what a strategy I've employed for God, two years where you intentionally price it attractively so that you get more attention. And then you have the, hey, the grand debut, right? And here we're, we're doing the pre-marketing, the coming soon. We build up all the hype. Like it's an event and then and then it sells um, with multiple offers and people fighting, um, which is where you end up at a higher price. The only problem with event pricing is every consumer is scared to death to do it. And I don't blame them, especially until, in a market that's transitioning like right now. Until they lose a few times and then all of a sudden they're kind of into it. Now it's like, hey, I've got to win. And uh, it's, it's frustrating, but it's kind of like, hey, if I want to get into that area, this is what I got to do in which to be able to do it. And I always, I mean, when we're working with our buyers, I, it's kind of like, in a way, it used to, it was for the last two years that, you know, you got to lose a couple times. Like they feel they got to lose. I said, we don't have to lose. 
you got to understand what the market is doing. But sometimes they needed to feel it and see what was happening. And then they're like, oh, my gosh, so, oh, this is what we got to do. Oh, we got to do this. And, oh, we can't have an inspection. And I'm, that's one thing I'm really happy for is that that inspections are going to come back. I just think that, to me, it was it's always hard. a icky thing. You know, well, that and, that in the uh, you know, when you're when you're as a you know, you kind of shifted over to being the buyer side of the relationship. Um, and and I tell you, when you when you have buyers out there just making offers to make offers and they're not even like it's almost like they're saying, Well, that there's pickup trucks for sale, and oh, one went up for sale for a hundred thousand, let's offer 110. I go, Well, they're worth 80. So, you know, this is the problem that I've struggled with over the last you know, three four years is when you have a buyer going in there and you do a market analysis that shows the bottom and the top and where it should be priced and you want a fair deal, not even a, a good deal, but a fair deal. And that's the problem we're running into is that it's, it, it, people want a deal, um, but they know they can't get it. So then there it's, it's kind of, like I said before, it's kind of that upsetting kind of, you know, the, I feel like things are moving fast. We have to make, I have to just grab whatever sandwich goes by and eat it. I don't have a <laughs> Oh boy. He could have done that when he did like when the Rooney rant was happening. He said yeah. so many. I, I want to click it, but I, I'm too late. He just keeps going. We you know what we should do is we should have it set up like like on Batman and Robin where you get the pow. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> Analogy. That's a great idea. Oh okay. Hey, this next one, Andy, I thought about you because I think you're certified by them. So I want to hear your thoughts on this one. Dave, how you doing? Better than I deserve. How are you doing? We need your help. We know your followers are gullible. We need you to pump real estate despite all the weakening housing data. We'll even pay you handsomely. Done. Say no more. Now is a the best time to buy a house in the next five years. Right now. Hmm. Look at his track record, so I got to say. <laughs> what do you think of that? Well, I think he's looking at facts instead of fears. And I think that everybody loves, oh, my God, it's so much fun to talk rumors and talk about, oh, I feel this way, and how do you feel? Who cares how you feel? Look at the facts. Yeah. You know, the, the reality is, is that there's a shortage of houses for sale. Now, if nobody wants to buy a house, which won't happen, let's say nobody wants to buy a house, then we're in trouble. You know, then it doesn't matter how much house, you know, or how many homes are for sale. It doesn't matter. But on the other hand, there, there's always somebody looking for a house or somebody needs a downsize, right size. They just had a baby. They, you know, now they're on wheels instead of on feet. So they need to find a one level home or whatever it is. There's always somebody that needs to move. And, and what's happening is there's just not enough houses right now to satisfy, even in today's economy, um, where people are uncertain per se, there's still not enough to feed us all. You know, there's not enough out there for what, is really there. Now, I think there are some people that are pulling back, kind of retracting a little bit, saying, wow, my house payment just went up 600 bucks a month. I'm going to hold off and see if rates come back down. And I think what Dave is really trying to say there, and I, I can't speak on his behalf, but I watch a lot of his stuff. And I am I am one of their trusted agents, by the way. So if you want a Ramsey trusted agent um, in Minneapolis, I'm one of the few. Um, <clears throat> but it's, it's in the, the whole idea there is to take a fiscal, you know, responsible kind of approach to selling and to buying houses and just make sure you're on the right track. But anyway, I, I do agree that, you know, interest rates are probably not going to be much lower. 
if we do go into a recession where he may be off, is that recessions, usually they'll try to stimulate it with lowering rates. And maybe all of a sudden you'll have lower rates in the future. But if houses appreciate, at the end of the day, you got to remember, Dave Ramsey's a cash guy. Okay. Pay cash, pay it off. You don't carry debt. You, you know, like he says, I don't even know what a credit card is. I don't have a credit score. He's a guy who walks around with $100 bills and pays for things in cash. Never has a worry in the world. Never has anybody trying to repo anything. Never has anybody trying to take things away. Never has to worry about making a payment. Like he says, I work because I want to. I don't work because I have to. And he tries to change your mind into, you know, anyway. Yeah. I, what, what, what's a Ramsey trusted realtor anyways? So, so uh, Dave Ramsey, who's a debt specialist, right? Like tries to get people out of debt, tries them to, to not be part of their um, lifestyle of just always having payments. He's like, man, he goes, you want to talk about being an employee the rest of your life. And you're always fearful of your job. And you never want to quit your job. You can't because you have all these payments. You basically become like almost, you know, indebted to this job and this debt. And he goes, you never have that freedom of, of being able to say I'm debt free. And so he says, what he does, he gets people to be smart. You know, maybe you don't need three car payments. Let's get you down to one or what. And so anyway, to be Ramsey trusted is to understand they have a program called Baby Steps where they take people from just recognizing their situation all the way through to where they have their houses paid off and they have money in the bank, right? And they have emergency funds and they have, they're ready for any kind of financial storm that would come their way. They have Ramsey trusted agents where we've been through their training program to understand the strategies that, you know, that they've obviously those people go uh, into and start subscribing to mentally. And we understand what they're, you know, so we're not like, why would you do that? Why would you put 50% down on a house? We understand why, because we were trained by, anyway, pretty cool. It's crazy. Like a lot of places in Europe, there's no credit card. They they refuse to get in any sort of that kind of debt and whatnot. But obviously you see them living in tinier homes and, you know, consuming a lot less, but. They negotiate a lot more too. I mean, I think that that's the other thing is, that, you know, think about this guys, you're going to go buy dinner tonight and you got five bucks in your pocket and you want to get the nicest dinner you possibly can for five bucks versus you walk into Target or low or wherever, you know, home or Home Depot. I mean, uh, you walk into like Byerly's, you walk up, you grab the $13 tray of food, you swipe with your credit card and you walk out. It's so easy to just charge it. If you had five bucks in your pocket, you'd figure out a way to either make it yourself or because you want, you know, what you want, but you only have limited uh, resources. And so different way to think. I mean, cash always makes you spend less. You don't buy rounds of shots at the bar when you have cash in your wallet. You do when you have a credit card. Andy. Awesome. Hey, this next segment, we're going to do a little story time, and it's brought to you by Andy Prasky, Preferred Home Team. Well, they said I could have 30 seconds on the show for a quick ad. Andy Prasky, Remax Advantage Plus, Andy at Prasky.com if you want to email us. Here's the thing, 22 years in the business, over 1,400 sales, I'd like to help you with your real estate needs. If that's buying, if that's selling, if that's building, whatever it is, give us a call, send us an email. Let's get you started on your real estate journey. I'd like to help you on the way. Uh, lots of experience here, and I uh, would like to put it to work for you. Andy Prasky, Remax Advantage Plus, thanks for listening to the show. Okay, so here I got uh, a Reddit thread. What surprises awaited you after you bought your property? So we have a bunch of kind yeah. of funny things that happen. Do you want to go through them? Wow, let's let's do one. All right, go ahead, Chris. 
So I bought a middle unit in a three unit building. Didn't know until I moved in that upstairs had a massive dog that sounded like an elephant falling down the stairs every time they went out. And downstairs had four kids under six in their two bedroom, thousand square foot unit. Apparently, oh. my seller asked uh, everything, everyone to leave anytime I was there pre closing. That's funny. Um, yeah, you that is, uh, I tell you, on a lot of things, I always tell people to go visit that neighborhood and just hang out and sit there at different times and just see see what's happened in that neighborhood because it's it's hard to fake it it's easy to fake during a showing but it's really hard to fake a nor normal living circumstances do you remember that uh movie andy um funny farm with chevy chase it was like the funniest movie ever because it, you know they would open cages and deer would run through the yard and Yes. You know, they were paying off the, the mailman who would knock down all the mailboxes. And then all of a sudden, he'd get out and hand the mail to the, you know, to the people. And just, that uh, was funny. I got to rewatch that one. That was funny. Yeah. You uh, know, but let me ask you a quick, or quick Chris, um, regarding that last topic, though. I mean, that kind of becomes what they call, you know, material fact. Anything that stops or prohibits a normal use or enjoyment of that property for its intended use. But if if it's, I think the the bigger problem is is telling those people not to be around when this is happening. I mean that's that's I think it's fraud. That's I think yeah, it's fraud. yeah. That is. I I wonder if I mean, you know, hey, you're a heavy person and you're you're discriminated against kids. I mean, you can't. They they have somewhere to live as well, you know. So it's kind of like, I don't know. To me, I don't think that's a material fact that it would be a horrible. Uh, situation to be in, but the fact that they think it's a material fact, the the buyer or the seller thinks enough that it's a bad thing that they're trying to get the other people not to be around. That's a bad. Uh, thing. How about that? How about that TV commercial where they have the family of cloggers upstairs? Of what? And they're they're like clogging the whole time, and the guy's like they're sitting there trying to eat their dinner, listening to the yeah. people clogging upstairs. Sounds sounds like it. I think it's for Apartments.com or something like that. Wow, Andy, that how about was, this one? That's interesting. My in-laws found $40,000 in gold stashed under the counters when they renovated a house they bought. Wow. I wonder I wonder what um how that would be I mean you purchased it and maybe it, they purchased it as an estate. No one knew they hid it on there. Hid it under there. And then all of a sudden they do it. I mean is there an obligation in which to be able to go back and give it back to that seller? Or did they leave it there and it was part of the sellers? How do they know it was a sellers? Maybe it was a previous sellers, you know? I don't and know. Do you I, say anything? Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, obviously I, I would I would have concerns about it and just say, hey, you know, we found some family mementos underneath the countertop. Let us know if you still want them. Uh maybe or something like that. But you know, we just had a, a friend of ours, we were talking about this where they had um a friend uh, their uh, old elderly parent. Uh, had been living by themselves for a long time, didn't believe in the banks, was kind of scared of, you know, being robbed and whatever else. And they were cleaning out the house. And they're, as they're cleaning mom's house out, they're, they're grabbing, you know, just all these stacks of DVDs. Well, they were throwing them in boxes. And one of the boxes, as they threw it, it actually, uh, a little card flew out. And they looked at it and they go, well, that's weird. That's a $200, you know, uh, card for Best Buy or whatever it was, like a uh, gift card. And then all of a sudden they started paying attention. They started opening these up, Chris. There was money in the DVDs. There was credit cards. There was gift certificates, all hidden strategically. And I'm telling you, some some people literally hide their money under their mattress 
So when you're when you're cleaning out that that old, especially an older person that maybe is skeptical of the current world, you know, or whatever, I wouldn't just chuck it. I would look through it before I threw it. We had an, we had an agent in our office that had something some similar to that, where these people they never said nothing, <clears throat> but they couldn't find things that they felt that this person did have and they had at some point they thought maybe they sold them and to get some money or whatever and they were like family heirlooms and coins and very very expensive coins thousands and thousands of dollars worth well anyways when these people moved in it was on like in the back of a closet on top of a that you couldn't see that they just missed and they grabbed it and then they ended up giving it to those people you know because hey you might this is something you're probably missing. And that was, that was pretty neat because it was thousands and thousands of dollars. So Chris, you say that. And I, I actually had an elder, this was God back in 2010. I had a house that we uh, took back. That was a foreclosure property. And uh, the garage was full of motors and, and old, you know, uh, you know, oil cans and whatever else. And we were sitting there and the one day we were out there getting ready to clean this out. And uh, we saw the UPS guy came up and he said, Hey, we've been, you know, um, we keep just putting the packages because the front door is not locked. So we just throw them in the front door. But we go in there and hear this. This guy was on some kind of a uh, buying these coins and things like that, these collectible coins. And we same thing. We found a ton of this stuff that he forgot and left. I actually reached out and contacted this guy. And the guy was like, hey, listen, I don't want any trouble. I just, you know, I, I, I screwed up financially and I just want to be left alone. And I go. Trust me, you want to listen to what I'm saying to you here, man. I go, I have a couple boxes that you want to come pick up. And, and I said, the rest of it, don't worry about it. I'm just trying to be a good guy, you know, help karma-wise, whatever, help you out. And I go, I just don't want to have this where I feel like, hey, I kept your stuff. So anyway, th- then the guy comes to the house and we're going through it. He's collected like the ninth, it was a 19, was it 34 coin collection where it was, they were silver dollars that were supposed to be melted down. And there was all kinds of really cool stuff. And then he also had a whole, so he had this whole series of, of the same year. It was really cool. Hmm. And anyway, I'm glad that he came and got it. I felt better about it, you know. Yeah. All right, what else? A bathroom completely infested with roaches. Nice. Dead, live, poop, egg casings, etc. cetera, in the walls and light junction boxes. They had to use kills paint to cover the smell because nothing else worked to clean it. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, Jeez. that... That's, I mean, more than likely if someone's living somewhere that has cockroaches in it, they, uh, that's something that's definitely disclosable and they should have disclosed it. Uh, in Minnesota, yeah. you can go after someone for that. Thank goodness we don't have a lot of cockroaches uh, issues around here, but uh, there definitely is some. So. So I got to say. <clears throat> the stories, I I mean, that, that's the one thing you can do. You can talk for hours and hours about different things that happen. We're doing a, a thing with our office next week and it's going over real estate photos that people have what they've seen when they're out showing houses and doing things and how people live. And it's uh, it's very interesting. I've seen some of the photos come in, but you'll, we'll be able to have story time forever on that one. All right, what's next there, Nick? Let's do uh, some memes here. Got a couple funny ones here. Hold on. I'm calling today because we have buyers in your area. Could you handle 10 to 20 additional leads per month? And that <laughs> is the 
what is it? He's the swindler. What Tinder swindler? swindler. Yep. Tinder swindler. Yeah. Boy, I get lots of those calls as well. Uh, that everyone's got a solution for you in, in which to be able to do stuff, and I'll listen to them sometimes, but uh, very rarely will I uh, employ them. I did in the younger years, but um, anything that's too good to be true is usually too good to be true. So. Well, and I think it also goes to show the the marketplace. The real estate agents are fleeing the market right now because um, they just there's not enough water to to give everybody enough to drink, and the business is slower. Not going away, not bad. It's just slower. So when there's less there, um, you're you're seeing th this is where they prey on real estate agents. There's there's 1.6 million of them right now, and so all of a sudden they go, hey, you want 1.6 million desperate people? Let's go try to sell them leads. And yeah. I don't even think they have the leads. They just make it up. And then they try to generate the leads after they get you to sign a contract. And let's let's just say they sell you a $2,000 contract times how many hundreds of thousands of agents that they sell. It, it gets very lucrative very fast. So um, that that's why they're doing that. And you, you're right, Chris. I, every other email is, a, hey, looking for more business? These are the times, Andy, that uh, agents are going to find out if what they were doing they did right because past yeah. clients and referrals are what keeps you going in this industry and, and keeps you in the business for a long time. And uh, a lot of people are going to find out that they're, they're not getting referred and they're being able to, they were grabbing people at open houses or, or off lead systems or whatever. And those people just wanted someone to get them into the house, but that's, that's no more. It doesn't happen anymore. Right. So uh, they usually filters people out and, and they move on. Speaking of all the new agents, uh, I think this is quite funny. <laughs> the ultimate career path, cocktail waitress, bottle service girl, applying to nursing school, stripper, and then a real estate agent. <laughs> that, that's what oh. you and I did. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, that was our career path. Yeah, yeah. We, we went really fast past the stripper section, but it was... I'll tell you Apparently one thing. Nobody's looking for strippers like us. I'll tell you one thing. I've uh, I've seen a lot of success from people that were in the service industry, um, whatever service oh, yeah. it was, is very good in real estate because they're. I mean, especially if, like a, in a bar or restaurant type setting, where you're dealing with multiple different types of people and learning how to understand them, and you're trying to, you know, make them happy. Each and one of them happy to be able to get tips. But I've just seen that um, and that work ethic as well. I think it really kind of helps for real estate. I, I really look forward to people that have had that experience because they I typically was getting, do I was, better. I was, yeah, and a lot of people use real estate as their safety net, right? Like the they just were corporate surplus and they only want to work for five more years. So they decide to become a real estate agent. That happens a ton. And, and a lot of those people will do well because they have that professional experience behind them. They have the drive. But... They don't have the charisma that usually attracts a bunch of people. Um, I mean, you know, I'm talking general parameters. And then you get that, you know, really young person that gets in the business and they don't have enough experience. And so people don't necessarily trust them yet. Yeah. Um, so there, there's, you know, or, or you get divorced and you've never had a job and all of a sudden you need a job now and you want to, you know, try something new. All of those industries, they kind of, you know, feed back into real estate, which is fine. It's everybody, you know, I, I think it's cool that people find comfort in our industry, but. 
I think that's also where people make fun of our industry because a lot of people come with broad backgrounds and just jump into this business and they try to obviously make a living and do well. And sometimes the best decisions aren't made, um, you know, by the agents helping the clients and then our industry gets a bad name because of it. But yeah, and I think, I think getting into real estate because you love houses and love looking at houses isn't probably, you, you might want to go into interior decorating or yeah. um, working at a, a cabinet place or a, whatever that might be a, a better thing because that's Florida, not it's, it's great i mean i love looking at houses as well but it's it's not what we do <laughs> I mean, you you do but it's it's not gonna make you a lot of ton of money I'll just tell you that so yep the wealthier you are the more confusing your sink is boy <laughs> is that not true i'll tell you i've seen things in places that i'm like why would you even do that and they do it because they just want to be totally different than everyone else and yeah. spend seven thousand versus fifty dollars i mean it's just crazy on some of this stuff I, I laugh at the amount my wife and i did that on our, our half bath on the main floor of our house and we i mean got 18 years ago whenever we built our house we spent all this time and energy to buy this bowl like it was a, a stainless steel bowl. We paid a ton for it. And then we have where the, the faucet comes right off the wall and just dumps. So they're not even touching. Yeah. And nobody could understand what we were trying to do. And I'm like, it's like a shower head, but it's actually a faucet. And, and everybody was confused as of what we were trying to do. So this vessel style sink. And then we go, we want to have a cabinet, but we want it to look like it's floating. So we want you to put the legs under the cat. And they're like, legs on a cabinet? What are you talking about? And I'm like, you, you know, you put shoe around the bottom and you put the toe kick. Yeah. I go, I don't want a toe kick. I want yeah. it to float on pegs on the bottom. And people could not figure Anyway, I think it looks pretty nice. But by the time I was done, the money that I spent, I look back and say, I should have just put in like a pedestal sink. Yeah. Save the, yeah. save the three, four grand or whatever it was. I think in some houses, it. let's just say if you don't have like a location and you know, there's nothing super exciting about the location. And when I say that, it's not on a lake, it's not an acreage, maybe not on a golf course. But what it is, is you can utilize those type of things to differentiate yourself and give yourself in that price point. So if I'm going to buy on the lake, I'm going to buy on the lake, and then I'm going to go buy this house. Boy, this one's super, really well-equipped and, I mean, top technology and everything. But geez, if I lived on the lake, I mean, it's more about the lake. And so people tend to choose, you know, or at least at that point, there is a fair fight that's involved. So that's why I think some of those things are are, are neat. And, you know, put it in urinals and um, bidets. And it just kind of also, that's a big thing now. My gosh, have you been seeing that? I mean, the yes. bidet setups now? I mean, because all the, I mean, you can refabricate your whole, uh, toilet that you have and uh and do it but i i can't believe the number of um bidets that i'm seeing or whatever they're calling them bidets i know but are they is that the same thing when you're converting just like that seat and stuff because well, it's not a, separate... a car wash on your butt yeah those are bidets okay okay good yeah <laughs> old school what's, what's that all right when we ask our realtors for comps as buyers, uh, she says they oh, they are old school and does not send them. We find them ourselves on Zillow, but is it time to find a new realtor? Is that what everyone is saying? 
I mean, comps are how you determine what the heck values are. And more importantly, your lender is going to use comps to be able to determine what they're going to borrow you. So I think uh, that's a definite, I, I, would, I wouldn't even say that's old school. I'd say that's new school type thinking because old well, school type thinking is using that, the data from the community. Well, and remember, like we were just talking about earlier, there is a uh, sometimes a need to understand more detail than what the sale price was. Like, what was the original sale price? What was the, you know, the, um, are there closing costs being paid by the seller? Was there, you know, concessions being made of some kind? And and you can't see that on those websites yet. Yeah. Maybe someday, but right now you can't. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, you know, just, I mean, you send, you, you talk about that you do a market analysis for each of your clients when they're purchasing something. Yep. I mean, you're, you're using comps, you're, you're taking other homes that are similar uh, to this house and being able to let the buyer see them to be able to determine what they're going to pay for their house that they want. And that, that realtor saying, no, that's old. I'm not going to do that for you. That's, I don't think that's, I don't think that's old school. I think that's new school. I think it's, I think it's the only school that, that, yeah, old school is showing comps, but that realtor saying that, you know, uh, they're more of the new school. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I flip well, I'm with it. you. I, I think yeah. we're saying the same thing. I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm summarizing kind of shortly, but I mean, I agree. I think without looking at actual facts where I can see the real data instead of just whatever's published publicly, because yeah, if you want to go off of public websites and what somebody, you know, and, and no offense to the receptionist, but the receptionist that types that in there and actually puts in, um, like, like a lot of times that happens with our new construction sales too where if we don't list them fast enough, the other brokerage will put them in and they put them in wrong all the time. So then you're going to use that comp. And so we go back and fight it and say, Hey, no, 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 no. Give us two days to put our own comps in the MLS, you know, cause it's technically once we don't own the property, we're not supposed to be able to do it, but I'm like, you know, it, it is what it is. We're supposed to record it. So then, then we go back and, and make sure that everything's correct. Square footage, purchase price, you know, like things like change orders too. People, consumers that are wise, don't want a high purchase price because they don't want to pay higher taxes. So a lot of times they try to close it as low as they possibly can, like original purchase price and all the change orders, hundred grand in change orders they added, they paid in cash. So when they close, it shows 400, but they really paid over five. And, and that's sometimes the problem. So you have to go back and look at that house and analyze that stuff. Yeah. I, I, I think the other interesting thing is, is, is what is a comp? You know, that's, I think that's a difference between what agents do. So let's just say, we'll, we'll take Lake Minnetonka, for example. If you have a house on the lake, then it should be every house on the lake is a comp, which a lot of people might think, as long as it's Lake Minnetonka. Well, Lake Minnetonka is huge, and, and it spreads very far west. And to be able to get all the way out west and get around there, I mean, it takes a long time in which to be able to do it. So a house in Deep Haven is a lot different than a house in Mount. Right. And, you know, so it's kind of like you need to know that, hey, in Deep Haven, we've got to use, you know, we might use Wyzetta Beach. We might use Gray's Bay and we're going to use, you know, uh, Excelsior. And you have to know that from a that, that's where experience comes in and knowing what a comp really is. It's not all about, hey, it's four bedrooms, four baths and it's got four thousand square feet. It's, it's, it's where it's sitting, what kind of terrain it has. I mean, Lakeshore is huge. I mean, is it on a cliff or is it is it a flat lot? Because that changes things. Is, is the style, is there a main floor bedroom? 
And if there's a main floor bedroom, now we're exciting a lot more people um, that, like we open up the market. You could be younger, you could be older, and you can grow into a main floor bedroom type thing. Can you expand on that lot? There's a lot of value in that. So it's you got to know what a comp really is as well. You know, you can look on Zillow and it'll say, hey, these are homes that compare to yours. Well, no, they don't. They, they yeah. don't even compare if you if you look at that, their comp thing. So I, I remember we were uh, when I was getting in the business years ago and we had an actual uh, an agent that had been around a few years. And he used the example of saying, like, when we say the word comp, how people get kind of distracted by that word. And, you know, kind of like, Chris, how you always say the word free should not be in our vocabulary, like free market analysis. It should be a free home comparison or whatever, you know what I mean? And having more value or uh, complimentary home evaluation. And the same thing was going on with with comparables and saying, like, when we're, we as real estate agents are preparing and, and presenting this to people, and we use the word comps, it kind of detaches people from it versus saying, hey, here's some comparable homes that uh, we can, you know, compare to yours. And and then people, it's funny how, well, they don't have granite countertops or they don't have whatever. And then agents think of it differently. They're looking at it, square footage, location, lot, whatever. And when you say comparable, they're like, well, they don't have, you know, James Hardy all the way around the whole house or they don't have whatever. Now you start getting into the details of actual comparable sales. And that's where the nitty gritty is down on that level where you can actually compare and say, hey, you know, that house on the same bay, it's both, they're both on Halstead Bay. They both have 4,000 square feet, but one of them has, you know, all James Hardy, all concrete driveway, you know, granite countertops, vinyl floors versus your tile floors versus vinyl, all those, like, then you can start adding value to that versus if you're both in the, the Windsor model that a builder makes, and you have the same house, same color, same vinyl siding, just a better lot. And that that's a true comparable sale, right? Okay. Versus they're on the same day, but, right? And that's where real estate agents really shine and help you get that extra money because it's worth it to have an agent help you. And, and the whole key is, is to be able to get that out to the buyers, that they understand that. And it's not put it in there that, hey, we've got this, this, and this. You lead them to the conclusion that you want them to believe and why that is worth more. And it's because of the exact things you just talked about. All right. What do we got here? We got uh, realtor. I, I'm in the mid mess with Midwest. My house was just at 400000 was on the market for two months and didn't sell. I didn't want to accept any offers that I received. A lot of low balls. The listing agreement has expired. And now my agent is saying I owe him commission for his time spent marketing, hosting open houses. Is this normal? The listing agreement doesn't mention this at all. If the listing agreement does not mention that at all, you, you don't owe him anything. Um, because typically what it does say on the listing agreement, though, at least on ours, is that if we do everything we say we're going to do and we bring you uh, – based on the terms that you've asked for and you've turned it down that we are, you know, that we can get our commission. I don't know whoever um, pushes that, but I had one seller really on that one wanted to make sure because he's like, well, I want to price it at this, but I want to get more. And that's the whole idea. But if I only get this, it says you get paid no matter what. And so we had to clarify it a little more. Rarely people don't do that, but that is a fact. It does stay on there. If we do everything we say we're going to do. I had do. it happen to one of my agents, Chris. They listed a house and they listed at 500000 
and they, the client um, had the offer come in at 500, a great offer, and they rejected it. And they never spent time talking to the spouse. And the other spouse says, well, we thought I'd list at 500 and sell for at least 525. Well, we won't accept anything under 525. How, how do you counter a, <laughs> a list price? And this is where it gets so weird. And so we countered back at 525 and it was listed at 500. And of course they rejected you and, you know, or whatever, but it's like, you can do whatever you want. I mean, in theory, but it, it, it does get to a point of where, you know, you got it because why did you reject their offer? You know, because if you, if you set the bar and they hit it, you know, there's, there's argument to be had that, you know, Hey, um, they hit the bar. You got to take the deal. Right. Yeah. 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 I agree. Mm -hmm. All right. Mr. Mute. Another beautiful show on the real estate radio hour. It what was. should we do that's more interesting in the next couple of weeks? I think we should spice it up with something unique. Do you guys have any ideas? Yes. Andy on a floaty. Okay. Oh, done. <laughs> Maybe we should wear costumes or do some sort of themes for the next episodes. Oh, boy. Don't no, get him think, started. Know, those people that are looking for real estate, I think, you know, again... And, and, and write us into the show. We'd love to hear because if you want us to go deeper dives on any topics or any whatever, I think that's interesting. Um, talking about the market, I think is, you know, uh, interesting. But I, I do think that there's where is it going is, is even more. Uh, and so you can prepare forecasting, um, you know, letting people know what they should be doing now if they're selling in six months. Um, those kind of things would be fun. Contractors, suppliers, new products, um, whatever you guys want, let us know because we're always open eared. New products, I, mean, I think, would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, they've been listening that on the radio. We always if they've been listening. The, sorry, if they've been listening the past six months, they would know exactly what was going to happen. I mean, you guys basically laid it out in in front of everyone's eyes. We'll see how good we are in the next six months, boy. I tell you, I think if anybody can predict this next market, I mean, I, I still feel I like I said to Chris, I think we're all comfortable. And confident in what we're seeing, but the numbers don't lie, man, and, and it still shows stability. So, yeah, and I think we're gonna know by fall. So. Awesome! Hey, make sure to give us a review on iTunes or Spotify. You can also give us a review on Facebook. We post three digestible clips each week on Facebook and YouTube. Don't forget to su subscribe to YouTube either, and always gives up the thumbs up and have a great day. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.